Hey guys, welcome back to Tag Team, the Pokemon TCG's premier podcasting duo. I'm JW Crewall, and normally I'm joined by Riley Holbert, but he's out repping the podcast, repping Full Grip Games at the European International Championships. Now these start on Saturday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, but he went a little early so he could drink beer with Andrew and Natalie in Frankfurt. I, I'm so jealous. I'll be honest, but I know he's having a great time and he's going to do so well during the tournament. We're so proud of him. I'm so proud of him here at Tag Team. It's, it's going to be great. But for the first time ever in Tag Team Pokemon podcast history, we have a roundtable discussion. So I'll be joined by three players who some of whom are going to the European International Championship, some of whom are not. But let's introduce them now. So our first player today is Andre Chayasin. Currently in their fourth competitive season, sitting at 881 CP, trying to make a run for a top 16 placement this year. They're most known for playing extremely vanilla decks with little to no techs, relying fully on their play to carry them through any tournament. Going to be attending EUIC and Andre, I hear that you're going to be flying out tomorrow at about 6 p.m. and yes. you haven't packed. That is that's that's what I said, and nothing's changed. Yeah. <laughs> we also are joined by Frank Persick, who's been playing since 2016. After qualifying for day two of Worlds as one of the top 16 North American players during their first full season in 1718, he's enjoyed competing with fun and creative decks. Hopes to have another big season, as he was kind of on track to before play stopped in 2020. Welcome on in Frank. Thanks for having me. We also have Pierce Wilton. Pierce started playing at the start of Sun and Moon as a senior, and he's going to be providing us our kind of European flavor. Uh, congratulations to Pierce, who finished in the top 32 at the last uh, Liverpool Regional Championships, the last uh, major tournament in Europe. So welcome on in, Pierce. Thank you. So... We're going to kind of go over the cast today. Here's the, the outline for uh, our discussion tonight. Our first half, going to be talking a little bit about personal preparation and what each player is doing to prepare for the European International Championships. Andre and Frank are both attending EUIC, and, and Pierce, um, fortunately, has uh, had to back out kind of last minute due to some, some unfortunate, you know, being a student is hard, right, Pierce? <laughs> If, if I could have skipped the exams, I'd have been there. <laughs> yeah, there you go. There you go. Uh, so we'll talk a little bit about personal preparation for this tournament. And then in the second half of the cast, we'll talk about the meta and what we expect to be some of the most played decks, what we expect to see in terms of some of the techs that people will play, uh, some how past results will affect this uh, international championship and so forth. So, fellas. How are you guys preparing this for this tournament? What was your thought process coming into the European International Championship? So for Andre and Frank, both North American players, you're going to be flying across the globe to play in this IC. And, you know, what kind of was your preparation heading into this tournament? Because you don't want to waste all that time, all that money going over to Germany and have nothing to show for it. So how are you preparing for this tournament? Frank, do you, have you been to Europe before for a tournament? Yeah, I competed in um, EUIC in 2018. I went to London, okay. um, and that was that was my first day, too, and that was um, my first time really traveling internationally for a tournament as well. Um, and so I'm hoping, same thing, first big tournament of the season, first international trip. That was, like, my stipend year as well, and that kind of, like, snowballed as well. You know, you get all the... Like a top 128 at EUIC is the same thing as a top eight at a regional. And so you go to this European tournament, you get all these points, you get the next stipend, you get paid to go to the next international. And so hopefully, you know, that's kind of how like your season can work out. So uh, for me, this will be my um, third international tournament. I, what about yourself? This is my second of the season. I actually went down under to Australia Oh wow, you're in Brisbane. The second last event before uh you know we had that break. Um but my first time in Europe, that's why I asked because I guess my preparation is a little bit different for this because I think it's the one I'm most intimidated by, just like the European players themselves yeah. and like the metagame being so drastically different than uh what we see in North America. Yeah, talk a little bit about that and maybe Pierce you can offer some insight. Like what 
do you feel is different from, you know, the way that European players play the game and build lists as opposed to the way that North American players play the game and build lists? From what I can just, this is just going from Salt Lake and Liverpool. Uh, a lot of European players went to play Mew as opposed to counter it. So I feel as if almost over in Salt Lake, people wanted to build something that outtakes the meta. Whereas over here, we sort of just go, okay, we're going to play the same 57, 58 cards of Mew, Artis and Teleon, and that's it. And it's you're going to be playing Mirrors all day. And where I feel that can become a very boring meta and a very predictable, predictable meta, sorry. Uh, but then over there, I feel as if people aren't as, as scared to tech for things. Uh, like Ian Rob with the uh, checkmate, that sort of thing. Mm. Well, I feel that was a very ballsy thing because you can have people playing Dunsparce. Uh, I, I, the big Montrez, I don't feel as if that's the biggest counter to me if there is. But he played it well enough and teched it enough to where it beat stuff. It beat Mew, it could beat Arceus. Whereas over here we go. <laughs> but like for me at Liverpool in the mirror, it was. I was playing against a guy I've never met before. We were playing the same 60 cards. And it was. That's just how the stuff is over here. We're all very in terms of like. This is the safe pick. Or you try and go like above everything where no one's heard of it like Sander playing Stall no mm. one thought it was good in this meta took it to top 8 but no it's like no one's tested against it so I feel as if we test super heavily into these things uh, as everyone does but super heavily into like stuff such as Mew and Arceus in this format where you know they're just two reliable decks Especially now, you know, with the changes in stippings and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. I think people now just want to play safe picks over here. Mm -hmm. That's the general consensus of what I've got of people that I've spoken to, what I've been seeing at Liverpool, locals, stuff like that. Yeah, I, I would agree with that too. I think that's the yeah. American metagame, I think a lot of Americans are just very apt to be a little more risky with like how they build their decks and just what they choose to play and um i think that's due to a lot of reasons i think um like in america especially like you get 15 regionals like throughout the year and so it's it's you know a lot easier to just go to so many tournaments that if you want to play something a little more unique sure. or you want to play something you know try something out or something that's a little more um kind of out there you can like afford to do that um same thing with like cups and, and challenges and things like I know um, this obviously not in Europe, but especially in Australia, like cups um, previously were like a huge deal of, of like getting those. So obviously you want to go and compete in that. You can't really afford to kind of gamble. Whereas like here in the US, it's like cups sometimes previously lyrically like diamond doesn't. And so, you know, you can really the metagame can afford to to be a little more fluid than it is in, in overseas in like different areas. I think the other thing that contributes to that is like the size as well. I know, obviously, registration caps aside, I'm sure we'll talk about that at a different point in here. Mm -hmm. But I know even previously, I mean, we've had American regionals. Um, Riley won, I think, still the biggest American regional, right? I don't know how many people that was. Like, 12, yeah, was it? it was like, like over 11. 100 i think so. there's like 1100 to 1200 people whereas in an even like an average american regional for a solid season is probably like what like five six hundred people at least yeah easily easily yeah. just as an average but i mean seven eight hundred is like not unheard of either and so like in the uk i'm, I'm feeling like what's an average regional probably like three or four hundred maybe yeah five or four. around that number so i think because the pool is smaller you the the decks that you're going to play are a little more confined and so i feel like you have to be a little more um a little more concise with what you're playing or a little like you're saying like a little more not, i don't want to say boring but just like a little more uh a little less fluid or a little more constructed as well it's like you've just said you might get what 10 plus regionals a season mm -hmm. if we get four we're excited <laughs> yeah yeah exactly though, this and, year though right because even in america like there are only so many regionals. Like, obviously, the, when I say this year, I mean, like, the second half yeah. of the year. Um, because 
a lot of people i think are in like the mid halfway maybe over the halfway point of their invite like they a lot of those people are banking on like the one or two regionals that are close to them and then their locals their league challenges or league cups those aren't there anymore so it's interesting um i would have thought more people would go with safe picks but maybe yeah. it's just like the overall attitude that people have uh, for the game in North America is like fundamentally different. Yeah, I think it might, it might just be like a cultural thing that's kind of just been ingrained, right, over like the last couple of seasons. It's just like I'm like at competing in American tournament, I'm just like used to it being like, you know, in my nine rounds, like I'm definitely used to playing like probably like four or five different decks or like not knowing what to expect or having like weird techs or like RCS Gengar and being in the finals and like all this crazy stuff. And so I, I feel like that's just not like a, that's something that is just like so normal that, that I think that yeah. just like has a ripple effect on how the meta is, which is like probably wildly different from how it is over in, in the so, UK or in the so that Yeah. So then I'll ask the follow-up question then for Andre and Frank, have you guys been testing kind of um, more, out of the box lists like where are you at in terms of the the types of lists that you're playing are you playing very kind of standard things and you're going to go to the ic with a standardized list or are you playing something maybe a little bit more crazy or, or at least testing kind of some weird uh, ideas out i think for me like i definitely always stick to and i honestly identify more with that european style of deck building and playing i i always kind of stick to something consistent something like i'm comfortable with and i feel like i can play 110 percent. but it doesn't mean like i don't test other things because i think it's important to like actually test against them right a lot of people look at testing as like okay i'm testing mew i'm testing all all of Mew's matchups against the deck lists that are out there but if you're not like actively trying to improve those deck lists or look at what people are doing um it kind of you kind of get to like a stale point where it feels like you're not actually learning anymore and I think like even over the what we've had four regionals now, the the metagame has actually evolved quite a bit, and I think a lot of that is due to Arceus. I think it's one of the coolest cards we've ever had, and just completely blew the format wide open. Yeah, it's so um, versatile, right? You can play so it even though we may we may look at Europe and be like, oh, they like, and then the stipend thing, right? That's another good thing to bring up, right? Like people kind of want to get their safe points they're gonna play something safe they're comfortable with and they're not really trying to go to win the event but they want to get 128 right so they get their it's the same as a top eight at, at regionals right they may be looking at it that way um but yeah overall for me i i kind of stick to playing the vanilla decks but i will like kind of go to my comfort zone as far as like testing against things so my formula for Every tournament, no matter you know how big the tournament is or what I'm doing, for the most part, um, I'll find a deck that I'm a, a, a learned deck, like the one that we know is good, mm -hmm. um, that I'm very comfortable with, or one that I, I can I, I'm comfortable bringing to the tournament, and then have that in my back pocket, and then spend my preparation time trying to find like these pockets in the meta where I can play something that's a little more unique or a little unexpected or something that's a little different. And so I've, I would say that I, I feel like that I'm like pretty known or pretty like acknowledged or people tell me at least that I, I they like, I would, say, me that, to I would be, say that to you for sure. Yeah, <laughs> they definitely expect me to yeah. play something a little bit off the beaten path for sure. Um, the big deck that I've been playing in this format was, um, RC's Flygon, and that was one that I like just had with the order uh, the Cramomatics and all that. I built that like from scratch um, and brought it to the first full grip tournament. And then uh, people brought it to Salt Lake with the Santa Conda, and then that kind of evolved into um, some of these other decks that got played. And in, in, um, a couple of people were playing it in like various tournaments. Um, so I've been working on that deck for a while. I have a new deck that I've been working on for like three weeks straight. Mm. I put in like 300 games with it. I'm super proud of it. I'm going to play. I have the 60 sleeved up. I'm like in between like one or two cards, but I'm like going to be bringing it to you. I see it's going to be super cool. I, I expect it to do really well. So I'm, I'm ready for that. I'm going to 
leave it at that. I'm going to tease everybody a little bit. You'll have to wait to see what it is. But I, I expect, I'm hoping to do like super, super well with it. So hopefully it'll like. It'll I, I think I might already know, but I won't leak. I think leak. you do know. I, I won't leak, Frank. I won't leak. I talked to Andrew about it and I'm sure Andrew told you a little <laughs> bit about it. Well, it, uh, so. Okay, well, I won't. I won't divulge any secret. We can talk after the cast. Yeah, but, yeah, yeah, sure. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I think it's really I'm kind sure of. Andre an, knows as well too, because I've been working. No, on I have it. no. Oh, really? I, okay, I have no idea. It's it's uh, it's really an understated skill um, with IRL events coming back to have this hidden deck list um, and be able to you know bring in a, a list to an event that nobody's ever seen before. That's a that's a really big advantage that you have now. And so you know, Frank, like. There, there is, you know, you're validated, right? In, in kind of your quest for, for, um, you know, something spicy, right? You're validated yeah. in that because it's hidden decklist. So you might, honestly, just because you're playing something rogue or something interesting, like you might be able to win a couple of rounds just on that fact alone that the other person doesn't know either a standardized version of what your list might be. You know, for instance, Mew probably has, you know, 56 cards or you know, something like that that's very standardized and they can generally play around and figure out what you might have for the next turn. But if you're playing something weird, playing something different, you're not going to be able to predict as well. So there's certainly some value there. Um, so it sounds like, Frank, you have a deck in mind. Um, Andre, I don't know if you have a deck in mind. Pierce, I, I'm sure you had some de decks in mind that you were going to bring to EUIC. Yeah, so what... pretty confident in you. Yeah, All sure. Through it sure. It's the safe pick. <laughs> so at this point, if you have kind of a choice locked in or, or at least fresh in your mind, what would make you switch? Because we are... This is Tuesday, so we're you know only a few days before the event, so week of. What would make you switch decks at this point if you have one in mind? I've kind of developed this philosophy after my first couple of years of playing where I kind of found a trend where every time I changed my mind last minute, or last minute could be like the day of, a couple of days before, I would always tank. So my general rule of thumb is two weeks before the tournament, I know what deck I'm playing, and one week before I know the list. Okay. I don't know if that's good. It's just kind of what I've done myself. Um, it doesn't mean that that's going to be like that forever. Um, but it's it's usually like even like a couple weeks before, even a week before. Like I think now maybe I wasn't exactly two weeks before locked into what I'm playing, but it was down to two decks for sure, and that was uh, Mew and Jolteon were the two that I honestly at any point, maybe a little bit of Arceus. Uh, it's just something where I know that I'm not going to dedicate the time to do like what Frank does. I'm not, that's just not me. I'm not an innovator when it comes to deck building um, or even just like reinventing uh, the way that we play the game. Mm -hmm. uh, I kind of like to find something that's consistent just instead of, um, having a back pocket deck and then put 300 games into a new deck, I'm putting like 500 games into like one single deck um, and just trying to get in as many games as possible. To actually switch, I think at this point I'm pretty locked in, especially with what everyone's saying here. It's kind of making me feel even more confident with what I'm going with. Yeah, I I hate to switch my deck at the last minute. Because there's uh, that's that unnerving feeling of just like, oh, I didn't test this enough, or do I know what I'm doing? Or am I going to be able to figure it out? I'm, I'm no Sam Chen. I can't just pick up a deck with never, don't need, not even know what like all the cards are in it and just play it and then you know top eight with the thing. Um, so it'd be pretty tough. I think a scenario that would make that happen is if you start to hear whispers of oh, there's all this, you know. Uh, I'm trying to think of like something that's in the format like. Delmise was like huge tomorrow. Everyone's like talking about Delmise oh coming up, and I'm just like, <laughs> your your whole deck's weak to grass. I'm like, oh. <laughs> like, then I'm like, oh wait, what? Nobody told me. Um, something like that, silly like that, um, or like, um, would would that if, really make you change though? Like at this point in your play, I, I mean, if I'm like really convinced, if I'm just like in the hall like that, like how and much there's like Delmai, like people, I'm seeing people play Delmai's <laughs> and my friends are like, yeah, I mean, okay, but how much okay. deck, like so-and-so posted on YouTube. Delmai's is the secret deck and it's, <laughs> it's, are they going to be playing it in the hotel lobby the night before? 
Ah, uh, well, so a good example, I'm just through dumb eyes out there. So, I mean, like, a good example of that now would be, like, Arceus Lycanroc, right? So, yeah. I don't know if you've seen the Arceus Lycanroc deck or, yeah. or, like, you've probably heard of it. You've seen it being played in online tournaments. It's fairly new. Um, the Really, the lists are still being kind of confined, and nobody really knows where it sits at in the meta. At least I don't. And all of a sudden, you get to the tournament, and it's like, you know, the tournament's not for another two days. And you get there, and it's like, oh, Arceus Lycanroc got some play. We figured that they did that this list got out, and so-and-so posted on their YouTube, and everybody's been talking about it. And all the Art and Telegram players are on Lycanroc. And if your deck is, like, really bad against Arceus Lycanroc, then it's just, you know, throw it out. And, you know, you see everybody testing in the lobby, and all your friends heard from so-and-so, and this person heard from, you know... That in that it would be like a scenario, but I just use Delmize because like uh, no no I, I was curious because I I've just found that like it's very easy to get baited by stuff like that. Oh, I've done that yeah. before too for sure. Yeah, um, <laughs> where where you make that switch? I just feel like overall it depends who you are. Like I'm someone who if you hand me a deck, like I need to play it a lot to, to yeah, play no, it well, I'm, I'm, I'm more confident sure. in my ability to be prepared for an event rather than right. being like, I'm so good at Pokemon, I can pick up any deck and just play it. Like, that's just not, like, my strength as a player. So I don't think there's ever a scenario where I'm just going to, like, hard switch because I uh, hear anything like that. The other, that's a less common scenario. The other scenario where I actually have done that before is um, either my, your friend, you get to the hotel room, your friend has a deck, everybody's mm -hmm. around watching, just smacking deck after deck after deck, like, just can't lose. And they, you've never seen this deck before. They built it in a way you haven't seen it, and nobody knows about it, and they're just like, oh, you have to play this, and you search right. for cards for it. Like, that has gotten me to, to switch to a deck before. We did that for, um, it was for um, Virginia Regionals, like, 2018 or 2019, it was the um, Giratina Malamar deck. Um, people I was driving up with from Ohio, Justin Bookter, most notably, and I um, were in the car talking about it. And like um, he had heard about it from our friend Audubon and somebody else. I don't remember exactly like the pipeline of how it got there, but we were talking about it in the car. And we were like building it theoretically. When we had all these cards, we get to the hotel and it's like 9 p.m. and we had like a weird lit we hadn't figured out the list yet and they like go to bed and then i hit up my friend from like salt lake city yeah. um or denver who's from denver um shout out to my dallas and um his name's dallas he's from denver that's it should sorry should clarify <laughs> good, clar good clarification um, <laughs> and uh i just go into his hotel room and we play games until like like two in the morning and just testing yeah. like these matchups and i was just like yeah, we're running this tomorrow. Like, screw it. I was going to play, like, something else. I was like, I was going to play, like, uh, Nightmare Archer, like, something that I was, you know, it was just Zoroark or something, like, kind of boring like that. And Giratina Malamar, day two, like, top 64, 32. Yeah. Or, no, yeah, I got 19th at that, that tournament. And so yeah. Well, yeah. that is another example of that so those are i think two scenarios that i would i would change but is gonna highly unlikely yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah i think that just play whatever you're most confident in you know if it's like uh as you said andre like you're confident in something that you've tested loads and it might be run of the mill but you're confident in it yeah uh but frank you're more confident in maybe thinking of something to where you can go it might not be generic but I'm confident in how this works. I'm confident in what it does. And yeah, yeah, for sure. I, I think just the only way, I think sometimes switching decks is a bad option, especially because, you know, whatever you're confident in, you're going to have tested. Right. And I feel like you just have to stick to that. Yeah, it, stick to your guns. Room, I feel like you have to like, identify like your strengths as a player too. Yeah. Like if Frank is someone yeah, who can sure. switch and do well, like go for <laughs> it. Like, I, I just know that I'm not, like, when I take a deck to a tournament, I open up my deck box round one. Like, yeah. I do not play the night before because I just feel like the, like, if you, if you test a lot, you'll know that you may have days or, like, maybe hours or maybe days in a row where you you lose confidence in a deck because you have a couple of unlucky games in a row. If you play online tournaments, you play three tournaments in a day and um it goes very very poorly and then you're like oh no this deck's not good where if you test for a very long period of time um it gives you a little more confidence in knowing that, like okay pokemon is a game with like 
like variability, right? Like you're not going to get the same um, outcome every single time. So I try to like not bait myself by listening to people the night before, not bait by playing the deck and then bricking 10 games in a row and being like, screw it, I'm going to play something else because I'd already put in likely dozens or hundreds of hours into playtesting before. But if you can do that, like, I guess that would be my best piece of advice for people is like identify like, what are you doing at tournaments when you're most successful and try to replicate that as much as possible. I think I should clarify too. The other thing is like in those scenarios where like you are changing your deck, like I was not super confident in my deck beforehand. So I was like very like, absolutely give me a new deck. Like I'm yeah. Yeah. So like for this ERC, like you could not give me to change my deck in a million years. Like I'm, I'm good to go. So it's like, if you're super confident in your deck, like you're saying, just like play that hundred percent. And if you don't yeah. want to know what to play, like you probably heard this on a hundred different people say this, but like go with what you know, like whatever you're comfortable with. Even if it's not the best deck in format or people are saying, oh, this is the best deck or you need to play one of these two decks. If it is the one that you are most comfortable with, like that is what you are going to do the best with, 100%. That's really great advice, guys. That is, you know, for anyone listening to the cast that might be going to UIC, I think there were some really juicy nuggets in that discussion. So speaking of juicy nuggets, the podcast is sponsored by Manscaped. We are presented by Manscaped. We are so thankful to be partnering with Manscaped to uh, bring you, you know, these these amazing products, the the best products, I would say, for men's below the waist grooming tag team has been working with Manscaped for, oh, the better part of half a year. And we just love the feel and the quality of these products. I know Riley has talked about bringing his boxers. He's probably wearing them right now, honestly, if I had to guess, because they are just so comfortable. He packed his, you know, ear and nose hair trimmer. I have been using that, you know, all this week as I've been, you know, staying at home, getting my self-groom on. And so we are so happy to be partnering with Manscaped here to bring you guys the best of the best in grooming so if you'd like to get in on the manscaped craze and support the tag team podcast you can do so by going to manscaped.com using code tag team for 20 percent off plus free shipping i use the products riley uses the products and we've gotten a lot of really good feedback from players in the community i know that tag team uh you know the uh, manscaped just put out some deodorant which you know, I'm just saying events are coming back. So you want to be able to smell your best. So manscaped.com code tag team, 20% off plus free shipping manscaped.com code tag team, 20% off plus free shipping. Now let's shift our focus to the meta. I mean, we've talked a little bit about personal preparation and I think Pierce, this would be a really great time for you to kind of chime in on what the European players are probably going to play i mean obviously it's impossible to say you know here's exactly what everyone's going to play right but uh just to give us some of that insight on what you know your mates have been thinking about bringing and, and what we might expect here at the european international championship from the europeans but what do you guys think are going to be some of the most played decks that might be a little bit of a loaded question because okay. it's like okay mew arceus uh malamar probably is just about everybody's top three, but I think there's some variation in there. Um, you know, would you say that it's the Malamar with Inteleon? Would you say that it's the Arceus with, um, you know, a bunch of techs or, or with dark Pokemon or very vanilla? And, you know, is there anything special that'll happen with Mew? So kind of give me some of these, what are some of the most played decks that you would expect to see over the course of the weekend? We'll start with you, Pierce, and then Frank and Andre, go ahead and hop in. I think that Arceus is going to be the most played in general, as in Arceus slash something, because it's just versatile, isn't it? It's one of the most versatile cards, I'd say, the game's ever had. In terms of, you can splash it with, like Frank was said, Delmise, just for example. You know, you can go, okay, I'm going to whack a 3-3 Arceus line or 4-3, a 2-2 Delmise you've got a deck, it can work. Uh, I think, and I think people are just gonna look to find maybe a new partner for it, such as maybe a Lycanroc, find a 60 that works. Uh, maybe a Delmise, we don't know. Uh, mm. It might be there. But uh, I think Arceus is gonna be, it would be my top contender for most played. Then Mew, 
because I feel as if Mew is, do you know if some people are close to their invite? They sort of just want to go, I'm going to play this safe pick to guarantee me my invite. It might not get me to win the tournament, but I'm going to, you know, place with this deck because it's a good deck. Right, uh, because I think, you know, with a deck like Mew, you know, you're you're if you were to take Mew, it's obviously, in my opinion, one of the most broken just decks in a vacuum like ever created in terms of the draw power the, the the power level um you know consistency all this stuff um but because it's so good it has a target on its back right pretty much everyone has to have some kind of answer it might be a soft answer like a path of the peak um, or it might be a little bit harder answer like a baby moltres but every deck it needs a way to at least, you know, be able to steal some games against Mew, if not have a favorable matchup against Mew. So you're just going to walk into this tournament having, for the most part, very few free, easy matchups, right? So, you know, like you said, you know, you're, you're going to be playing a deck like Mew, but you're going to be uh, under the gun every single round. It might be the safest choice in terms of it's very consistent, very powerful. You can beat anything but uh, you're going to have a target on its back, right? So um, that that's certainly tough. Personally, I feel as if Path to the Peak is Mew's biggest counter in terms I of agree. like... I agree. Yeah. It's, you know, you don't need to... It's not an evolution. It's not nothing. You can go shady dealings for it, just for example. There's a way to get it out. And if they can't find it, it locks you out of the game. Mm. Because you can't do what the deck is centered around, which is to draw cards. Sure. But then, with the Mew's biggest counter being a card, which you you're going to play counter stadiums. I've seen some people go up to five. They're that worried about it. Mm. I don't know if that's the right answer, but it's easily well not easily played around, but it can be played around like. If you can write on phone a uh, stadium to the top of the deck, and then that makes Judge a slightly better answer. But if you play in a higher stadium count, uh, four crumbs I've found helps. Right. And I just think that with people, they need to a heavy path if they want a good chance at beating me, maybe three, possibly four, because it is the biggest counter. If you can go first and go, okay, I'm going to find a path attached to an Arceus, if you play an Arceus and Talion, just for example, you're in a very good spot there to where they can't do anything if they don't have a stadium, providing that's going first, of course. Sure, sure. But it's the only real way I see anything beating you. But yeah, then I feel I, you I can get... Yeah, I have a couple of things to add to that because I, I agree with a lot of it. I think... The thing about the path, I guess, like my, I guess, like the tier list of ways to counter Mew is like path and like baby Moltres for me are like the two best things. Yeah. Um, but I think when you talk about like the stadiums and the Rotom phone, I think it's very funny that the formats got to a point where people are playing an objectively worse card than Marnie and Judge just mm. for the scenario that your opponent Rotom phones a card to the top of their deck. It could be a stadium. It could not be a stadium. And you're choosing to draw less card. Like, obviously, it's now random. It's not controlled like Marnie where you won't draw back. Into, like, we know what Judge does. I just think, yes, yeah, that's a big thing, right? Like, when we talk about um, Mew having the biggest count or target on its back. And then, like, the what's going to be the most popular? I think 100% Arceus slash X will be the most popular. But... If you look at like especially like on limitless and stuff like that as far as like if you're just saying one specific archetype if you're putting rcs intellion in its own bracket rcs slash dark or the birds or rcs like and rock all separate like me will 100 percent be the most popular deck i would be so unbelievably surprised if it wasn't however rcs with anything will be um the most popular overall that's what i i doubt it would be different i don't know i haven't put too much thought into it but i just think it's it's interesting because you talk about like all the ways or like the metagame and people in general discuss the best ways to counter mew but rcs is really to a point where you can't actually other than playing a fighting attacker um just straight up counter rcs that well 
right? Because mm -hmm. they can play whatever they want, right? The, the Dunsparce is, is standard at this point. But there are so many options uh, for cards to play in it if you're, like, one step ahead of the metagame to have an answer to what these counters may be. Mm -hmm. um, it's a lot easier, like, if you're someone who is one step ahead and likes to, to metagame and make good calls, um, Arceus definitely lends itself more to those players than something like Mew. So... So I actually think that, so I don't know if, uh, so I'll, I'll, I'll break in, in here and just say, so I don't know if anyone saw two days ago, Arcane9 released uh, for the first time all of the regionals deck metadata for the first time for the season. So it had all of the deck archetypes from each regional tournament so far in the season and like what people were playing so i don't know if anybody saw that yet um so i was combing through that and mew was played at a much higher rate than i expected based on how it finished like throughout the tournament mm -hmm. um and so for the and same thing with like a couple of weird things like there was a lot more gengar in some of the, like uh brisbane and uh Liverpool as well than than you yeah. saw in like day two and I was interested in that as well, um, so I think that there for this tournament I honestly think there will be like a ton of Mew like more than like people are expecting which is already a lot um, like I, when you say like Arceus plus X will be the most played deck I think Mew might actually give it a run for its money I, I really do um, I think one of the biggest things is is a lot of the initial conversations about this meta is that after Sao Paulo regionals, um, kind of Ar Arceus and Teleon really, really um, kind of came into the forefront of the meta. And like a lot of the meta since then has really been shifting to like this anti-Arceus and kind of slowly, slowly trickling like away from Mew. And so I think um, that we'll get a little more Mew because of that. And I think the other thing is that players um are starting sorry i think that players are starting to um shy away from malamar as well slowly mm -hmm. and i think mm -hmm. by the time we get to eoc those malamar players are going to need to migrate somewhere and i think Mew is just going to be a very big magnet for 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 a lot of players as well and i, I think the meta is like really consolidating for all these like weird like one-off decks like that a lot of people were playing previously like jolteon and arceus draladon i think we're really seeing it's just like a ton of arceus and teleon and a ton of um Mew, and I think Mew is just going to attract like a lot of a lot of people for this tournament. So I expect to be like 30-35% of the tournament to be Mew players. Wow. Obviously. No, um, yeah. Oh yeah, go ahead. Sorry. Yeah, I think I think that's a really good point that you bring up about Malamar. I've been playing that a couple of, you know, for the last couple of weeks. I've been a, a little underwhelmed. Like it's certainly like the high roll deck that um, can get you there if you draw everything in the right order. But a lot of the times you're drawing the cards that you don't necessarily want early, and that can cost you really big, especially in matchups like Mew, where you need to hit, you know, that 320 number um, or three you know, 40, I guess, if you factor in the Oracorio, like on those very specific turns to try to, um, you know, take advantage over your opponent. So I think the Mew players are getting a little bit wise. Um, I've been playing weird things like Marnie in my in my Mew and, and Avery in my Mew to try to, you know, even further disrupt um, decks like Malamar that like to fill their bench and like to fill their hand. Um, same with Arceus, right? They can fill their bench and fill their hand. They like to do that. So those cards are pretty impactful in those matchups as well. So I do feel like Mew has a pretty favorable, not not extremely favorable, but 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 you know, people have figured out how to play Mew into the Malamar where it feels like Malamar is kind of a trap play at this point for Europe. Yeah, it's definitely not as well positioned as it was. I still think it's a fine play. I think it's yeah, really I, agree. I agree. Player, mm -hmm. It's a it's it's totally fine play. I just think, mm -hmm. especially, I, I really think what's doing it in right now is the Arceus and Teleon. I think the yeah, fact that, that, that big charm three ten HP on a two prizer that can Sharon's carry itself up is like really bad for that deck, <laughs> and it's that really can bad for everything really. Like that's like one of the most like powerful things in the format even like against mew like i think yeah. if it wasn't for that that big charm on the arceus like having to commit so much to take two prizes off of 310 hp pokemon like i don't know yeah so so that kind of brings me into another question we're talking a lot about you know these these texts and uh you know certainly arceus having um, you know, big charm is like one of their one of their techs that they're playing just to increase the HP. Would you expect something like Tool Scrapper or Tool Jammer 
to be featured at all in any deck to try to counteract the uh, the big I've charms of, of Arceus. Looking at it in Mew, uh, playing a tool jammer. Uh huh. But <laughs> the aim of Mew's game, ninety percent of the time, is to try and get big Ocos. In my opinion, you go. You know, you've got your buffers and you can do all of this stuff. I don't know if the tool jammer's worth it, especially because if you don't get the Oko, they just go with Sharon's Care. Sure. I think you're best off to get the extra 30 off the belt to sort of neutralize the big charm almost. And yeah. 280 is still a lot to hit in terms of like if you don't have full fusion energy on, on board. Because you might have to commit two, three tablets, depending on board states, whatever. But yeah, I, I feel as if it's an okay inclusion, mm -hmm. but not like meta defining. Sure, sure. I I don't think there are a ton of decks that like where Tool Scrapper really makes a lot of sense, right? Because I especially for if we're specifically talking about Big Charm on Arceus, right? Like, where are you doing? 280 hp or 280 damage where like you need like the 310 is going to be like super relevant we're not two shotting it for 310 damage anyway right mm -hmm. um with um the rc's gengar deck that made sense obviously because you were doing 280 damage with the the gengar plus the choice belt so right. that deck playing tools scrapper made sense but like finding decks where that math is relevant i i'm not sure where that fits in i was playing a tool jammer in Arceus Duraludon. I was testing a lot of Arceus Duraludon for a little bit, and I really liked Tool Jammer in that deck because you could, uh, while blocking special energy, you could also stall air balloon. You could, um, you know, prevent like choice belt damage when we're preventing attacks and things. And it was really good in that deck. Um, but I, 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 you know, like you're saying with Mew, especially like some people were playing Tool Jammer and Mew because you don't, you know, um, need things like balloon and charm and all this stuff but like you're saying like because you're trying to take that one shot um just having that that extra 30 hp where you don't have to play a, a tablet and I, I think is just more consequential so i don't think it's a, an amazing tech i think if it if it makes sense in your deck like for sure play it yeah i think that's what it's going to be like if if someone's playing a deck where it matters to them but i don't think it's going to be widespread but i could be wrong i could be totally wrong but i think in mew it doesn't really makes sense and i'm sure mm -hmm. someone will make an argument and tell me why i'm wrong um but really like the only reason why at least in my testing it would be to knock out an rcs with a big charm but effectively you're doing the same thing same like thing with with, belt, for sure. the, with a belt yeah so uh are there any other texts that you guys are thinking about or uh, are thinking that other people will play i know one that's been kind of on my radar a lot of people in my discord have been talking about it is jolteon with the memory capsule being able to shut down all water pokemon with abilities so things like drizzile and inteleon and octillery are some of the most you know widely played uh, you know, Pokemon, the water Pokemon with abilities that Jolteon will shut down. Are there any other techs that are kind of on the radar that you feel like are going to, um, you know, make their way into a wide variety of decks over the weekend? Or if not make their way into a wide variety of decks, at least have really good performances? Like, uh, do you feel like, hmm. you know, Avery is the card that's going to be great for a lot of players? I, do you feel like Jolteon is going to be the card that's going to be great for a lot of... Like, what are some of these techs that you guys feel are, are going to be yeah, played? I have to say that my Discord as well is a big fan of the Jolteon with the memory capsule. I, I am... Yes, I'm in this Discord, but I am not overall a fan of it. Um, I think it has to be a very specific deck that has the room for that um, sure. and can efficiently get it out. Um, and it is also like dealing like they have to have a really good reason to play it like they're really struggling with Inteleon Ducks they're really struggling with Malamar where they can afford to take the time to set it up and that just like confirms the game for them mm -hmm. if they get that set up um, the other one you mentioned Avery that would have been one of the first ones I mentioned I think Avery plays well into the entire format right now mm -hmm. um and then and another one, you're not, I'm not trying to like just repeat everything you're saying, but like either probably a Marnie and, and Mew, I think you'll see a lot more of those people or a lot more of the Mew players play that. Um, Malamar, like you said, they like to stack their hand, especially um, I think like the Urshifu kind of like checkmate mm -hmm. deck. That's mm -hmm. another big one where it's like they're, they're going to sit there. They're going to like give you like their one prizes until they can, you know, do everything in one turn. 
um, and they're going to stack their hand. If you can Marnie them on the right turn, I, I would assume if I was yeah, playing oh, Marnie and Mew. <laughs> right, right. Well, or, or really, I mean, honestly, even even Arceus Dark decks that try to get that Clara Moltres at the end of the game, yeah. right? Like, that's the same thing as, like, trying to get the two pieces or the three pieces, really, because you need to have the Moltres, you need to have the energy, and then you need to have, you know, the, the Clara to pick up, you know, two energy, right? So you need to have three yeah, energy you, like, in hand. So, like, them, like, bump training court, right? That's, like, a huge thing. It makes it a lot more difficult because not every deck can just evolve into Drizzile and, and have it, right? Yeah. Uh, a lot of decks are, you like, still playing Clara, but they're not, like, necessarily using an Inteleon engine. Mm -hmm. um, so, I don't know. We'll, the, I think Avery is a big one for me. I think we'll see a fair amount of that i think it's a very interesting card right now yeah i i think avery's really 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 good i i think if you take this this i think avery's the number one tech card for sure i think avery's super good against malamar for sure i mean i know we just kind of said that malamar is on the downswing but it's still if that's a deck that you struggle against um, right. If you Malamar, if Avery Malamar turn two after they just keep calling or browlied or whatever, like you're, yeah, that's, that's amazing. Um, the other thing is, I, I think that Avery is a great second option against Mew if like you mm -hmm. can't get the path out or like you worried that they phone something on top. If you awkwardly Avery their bench away and you like force them to have to discard a Genesect because you know their bench needs to be like Genesect Genesect Mew or Genesect Genesect Meloetta or something like that to copy and so if you force their draw power now they can only draw two Genesects one of which is they can only draw from two Genesects one of their four is now in the discard and they have this full hand that they need to to start to empty out you're again limiting their draw power not through potentially you know through the use of path um but limiting their fusion strike pokemon i think that's something that um not a ton of new players might be prepared for especially if it's just something that they're you know recently picking up or aren't like uh, you know don't have 500 games in with the deck yeah um and then i think that um for the jolteon I, I jolteon memory capsule vivid voltage is a great card it is not worth three spots in any deck in the format unfortunately <laughs> <laughs> the other thing about the Avery too, because we talked earlier about Path and like the baby Moltres like ways to counter Mew. The thing about Avery against Mew is like one of the most like permanent ways to disrupt their board, right? Where like Mew knows the common ways that people are gonna try to interrupt their board through Path, through Marnie, through setting up a Moltres, setting up um whatever attacker it may be. But like Avery is one where like you're not going to get those Genesects back, right? You're not going to get, if you have to pitch a Meloetta and your other ones, pro like whatever it may be, like Avery is one where you got to, you got to really know what to discard and know what's prized and what you can afford to have for the rest of the game. It puts you way more on the spot than something like a path, right? Where yeah. you know that that's coming. Like an Avery is a card that um, will almost always catch you off or catch you by surprise, right? Cause like what deck can you say confidently plays, a like every list plays Avery? Yeah, it's it's not really that widespread right. for sure. But um, you can also see it in any deck at mm. the same time. So another card that I was kind of toying around with was um Roseanne's backup. Um there were certain decks, especially RCS Intellion decks, where that just like couldn't fit a bunch of stuff. And so I liked Roseanne's backup, especially in like these RCS Bibarel decks too, that like aren't utilizing um Intellion as much and they, they kind of have like more draw power. Um, and where you can like afford to just like play a supporter that doesn't draw you cards because you just have this like inherent draw with the barrel, um, is playing when you, if, if you want to play like a rod and a pal pad and and like these recovery cards, um, but can't afford to fit everything. I think Roseanne's backup is like a really kind of unique tool that a lot of people haven't explored yet. And I talked yeah, about it, and it's fantastic, it's very unexplored. Card. yeah same thing i mean like you get a path back with that which is huge because it's something that, like a lot of people won't expect and it's something that allows you to be like a little more um flexible maybe a little more flexible and yeah. uh, a little more greedy with what you discard in the early game to like set yourself up which uh, i think a lot of the barrel decks or even intellion decks like really want to do um so i think that's kind of a cool tech that um i don't think we'll see a lot of it but it's something that i've played with and something i don't don't hate at all for sure i, think that's I do know there there is a legendary online player who exclusively plays mew who's been playing roseanne's backup in his list 
All right. For the for the past like month and a bit, every it, single time good, I, I think it's a good card. he's had path in there. He's had collapse stadium. This guy's shout out to Zarbon if you've seen him on the <laughs> Limitless TCG block. <laughs> He's he's got the hot new list. That's and awesome. That, that's like the only deck that I've ever seen someone play. I, I mean, it's cute. You can get back a fusion strike energy. Sure, but absolutely, you're not sparkling and you're not bossing. <laughs> <laughs> so, I have a question here um, about you know just your kind of kind of meshing what you think will be at the tournament with what you're going to play. I'm not going to ask you to reveal what you're going to play, but I'll ask what is the deck that you're most worried about playing heading into the event? So let Pierce go first. I feel like we kind of <laughs> ran over in that last one. Uh, worried about playing against. Yeah, yeah worried about playing Worried about, about playing against, exactly. Yeah. yeah. If I was, was going to play an Arceus sort of thing, with Path, the thing I'd be most worried about is probably an Urshifu list. Because even with the Dunsparce, I feel as if all they have to do is a like rapid float a Dunsparce and take out a Sobble. And, you know, you're getting rid of a lot mm -hmm. there. I'd be very scared of that, playing an Arceus variant. Playing Mew, scared of anything that plays Path. Sure. Because, like I just said earlier with the Judge, it's a worse card than Marnie, but if you've phoned something to the top that can help you not suffer from the path as badly it, you know, and you lose it it can knock you out of the game it gives you four cards sure. you can get everything you need off those four cards in some circumstances if you're having a really good day sure. but then other days you can draw into something pointless and you lose the game from there uh I'd also be kind of scared as anything against Mali, purely because <laughs> it did so well at Liverpool because it went under the radar. And people are starting to not not consider it, but it's not as scare, scary anymore. People aren't thinking, oh, I'm going to play against four Mali, which you might not. But I feel as if because it's under the radar mm -hmm. people are going to play it because it might be like our oh, people aren't going to tech for this because they don't think it will be huge sure. and that might be its way back in that's the same with Jolteon maybe so yeah Frank Frank and Andre like... you, you guys have kind of decks that you're thinking about um, again without giving away what you're playing what are you most worried about playing against so I'm okay giving away what I'm playing because I think if anyone's at the point where they're going to be influenced like by what I decide to play, like there, there's just way too many people in the tournament. Um, my my options were Jolteon and Mew, so I'll kind of like look at it from that perspective. Mm -hmm. I think Jolteon is the, probably the most high-risk, high-reward play for the weekend. I think it has a good matchup against most Arceus builds, but fighting ones are becoming more popular so Arceus Lycanroc, Arceus Sanaconda actually I'll say right now I'm playing Mew this weekend um, mm -hmm. the Lucario a lot of people think it sucks I think it's pretty interesting um, there, there are just so many fighting attackers so like if I was playing Jolteon um, it would honestly be like the Arceus plus <clears throat> what kind of fighting attacker are they going to have in their deck because I don't think there will be too many ones that don't have answers to Mir mm -hmm. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, as far as um, Mew goes, honestly, prior to this conversation, I was very worried about Malamar. My testing has been very different from you guys. I've mm. been getting... Well, I guess until this past weekend. This weekend I went to a 2K and got absolutely dismantled by Malamar. And you were talking about, like, oh, you draw these hands where, you know, you get the wrong stuff too early. And all my testing games the past, I don't know, five or six days have been just very straightforward for Malamar. They're just hitting it every single turn. And I think maybe I'm doing something wrong. I've approached the matchup <laughs> as a new player a lot of different ways. And I think, again, I might be psyching myself out, but um, I think Malamar would be the one I'm most worried about. Like, me as a deck where, like, on, on paper, none of your matchups are good, but, like, you can still beat anything. So 
I, I honestly it would be it would be a good Malamar player. That's that's what I'm afraid of this weekend. Like Malamar is a game where like or a deck similar to Mew where um it's very like you can kind of just look at what's happening on your board uh for most of it, but if you have really good fundamentals, like you can like you can do things with that deck that um will surprise people. So a good Malamar player is a very scary site for sure. Um I think that I'm most most worried about Sander Wojcik playing was my absolute nightmare. <laughs> That's a, a number a number one thing that I'm Round super, super worried about playing against. <laughs> That's number one. No, uh, so control for sure. Like just in general, I just written that off. It, it's a deck that maybe some people will play. Of course, yeah. Sander will play it and be there. So just like. But it's just, it's, it's such a minute possibility that it's not been factored into my testing at all. Um, so if it happens, it happens, you know. Sure. Um, one deck that I, and I'm going to, I didn't get to talk as much as I wanted to about, like, just the expected meta. I really just talked about me a little bit, so I might sprinkle in some. Yeah, sure. Stuff. Go That's ahead. Cool. Um, one deck that I think is is actually really good that is not being, is really underrated right now. I don't think a lot, enough people are playing for as good as it is, it is, is um, probably Suicune. Um, I think Suicune is actually fairly good, um, and I don't think it, a lot of people will play it. And it's one of the decks, because not a lot of people are playing it, I don't um, really, I haven't really prepared to do well against it. So I would be um, a little annoyed to play against Suicune. I would be kind of worried if I had to play like more than one during the tournament, for sure. The other thing that worries me is, um, and this is also something we didn't really talk about as much, is just how the Mew players decide to build their deck, because I know there's a lot of different ways to build it. Um, you can play two stadiums, you can play five stadiums. I've heard people and have seen more people playing Pumpkaboo in their deck, which is mm -hmm. kind of new. Um, I've seen, you know, there's basic energy counts and there's all special energy and there's, um, some are playing, most are playing Oracorio. I don't know if I've seen any without Oracorio. Um, what you, Tool Jammer is a, thing in some of them and so um i think just like with the closed deck list just like not knowing exactly what my um opponents are playing in their mu deck like a little worried because depending on how they build it is you know is going to determine like how well i can do against it and so um that is something that i'm a little concerned about um and then i think the other thing andre like you were saying is just like i'm starting to get a little less concerned about Malamar and so I'm starting to be a little more lenient when it comes to like how I'm deciding to build my deck you know to prepare for it and so if I do end up playing a bunch of Malamar and I decide not to attack against it as heavily or or you know just like play a deck or build a deck in the way that it's, it's going to do well against it that might be a little concerning um because I, I mean really how I expect the meta to be is just a ton of Mew of course um Arceus and Teleon for sure um a good amount of malamar some jolteon some urshifu um maybe some arceus Duraldon, and then like random suicune um what other decks are out there um arceus gengar single strike gengar stuff like that mm -hmm. and so i'm, mm -hmm. I'm yeah there's other a lot than, of that like, yeah I yeah did not talk about um because i think the thing that like maybe we should bring up again is like you cannot prepare for everything um when it comes to a regional um and even if there are all these decks in the format like day one you're gonna play nine of them right they could be seven of the same ones they could be mm. nine different ones right so it's kind of like you you have to decide what what you want to get out of a tournament so like would you rather take something that has like even matchups or quote unquote even matchups across the board or like based on our discussion right now i feel like oh honestly like jolteon may be like the one step ahead where maybe there are um a lot of people are not respecting malamar they're not respecting suicune therefore a lot of the top players will bring those and then all of a sudden jolteon like somehow just like beats those decks and does very well um i feel like you can kind of like run in circles and like kind of play games in your head about how the meta is going to sh um shake up but mm. um i mean you can only do so much and um i know I i'm really excited for this weekend i think it's yeah gonna be yeah very, I, 
very very interesting because like the four regionals we had were all won by different decks yes mm -hmm. they were all won by different decks yep. so i don't know i think this format's good i don't like three prizers i've said this a couple times in my or several times in my friend group i i'm really not a fan of the three prizers but i think this is one of the most like diverse and like open-ended formats that i've ever experienced yeah, I, I would agree. I think we're in for a really great trip here this weekend. Last question. What, you know, what what hot take do you have? Give me a really, you know, one sentence on any under-the-radar oh, no. deck that you okay. think will make a deep run this weekend. Give me, like, one sentence on, on the deck that you think is is under-the-radar that's going to go deep. Also, the Raladon is still good. Okay. Yeah. That's a hot take. <laughs> it's only if they play healing like not the yeah um, yeah sure andre what do you got I... oh did you still have to say something sorry were you did we cut I, you off i was i was really hyping up passes to aladon for this so i'm gonna talk about it for a bit <laughs> okay because uh, i was like with riley's list that won the full grip 1k yeah it was very like turbo by turn two i'm gonna have a duraladon that can attack I think if you go slightly slower with the RC Ascension still, like you play your Hammers, Max Potions, Crystal Caves, and you sort of like, because obviously Mew's gone to very special energy, heavy. Mm -hmm. I feel with Big Chums, Mali can't KO, KO you as easily if you're scared about that. Uh, and they have two energies to attack you with in the first place, right? So It's... I feel as if certain, if the list is built well enough with the healing, but also in some respects where you need to be a bit quicker to maybe keep up a tempo. It's it's the same as every deck though. It it can be good if you find the optimal sixty. It's just trying to find it. So great, Andre. What do you my like second pick? Yeah, Andre. What do you have for? Uh for kind of an under-the-radar deck. I'm pretty modest. I, I think Jolteon is, like, the best B-tier deck there is. I think it's so, like, unbelievably strong. It's just... Your, okay, your matchup against, like... <sighs> Mew is not that good. I'm no. not gonna lie. I did very no. well in Salt Lake City. I lost to one Mew, and I know everyone says this, but my two losses in that were both bricks, and I beat every other Mew out of the six I played. And really looking in hindsight, like I had to have got lucky in so many of those. It is so easy for Mew to knock out Jolteon. Mm -hmm. It's ridiculous. But I do think Jolteon's like power level is kind of like, I don't know, it's just kind of unmatched like the way that um, it puts on pressure. I think it's matchup against RCSX if they don't play um, fighting. If you play Jolteon properly, I think they just destroy RCSX. They destroy Suikin. They destroy Malamar. There's no reason, like, unless people are worried, because I do think that's a deck we didn't really talk about and we maybe should have, was Urshifu. Um, if there's not a lot of fighting, um, I think Jolteon could, you know, you get in the right bracket and you could, you could roll through day one. Sure. So, Frank, what do you got? Hot take under the radar deck. Someone is going to, or a group of people are going to come up with a very good Lucario V Star deck that will shock the tournament, I think. So it's not just me who thinks it has potential. No, uh, there's something okay. out there. It might be like a Lucario V-Star Dark kind of box with some sort of weird draw engine. Or I didn't put enough time into the deck, that, especially as much as I wanted to. But um, yeah, I, obviously the psychic weakness is really bad, but... <laughs> um, and just reminding everyone that the card is legal for this weekend because I heard there were like people trying to like keep it hush hush that it was even legal for EUIC, mm -hmm. but the Cario V Star is legal. It gets yeah. up two prizes, not three. I think people saw his weak to psychic. <laughs> like, no, 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 we can't play that. It's weak yeah, to right. Psychic. right. It's not Urshifu. So yeah, I I tried it a little bit in the um in the B drill deck actually um. But again, I just I've been working on uh, a different deck that I, I haven't had enough time to work on it. So maybe for 
like Salt Lake or, or, or not Salt Lake, maybe for like Indy or New Jersey or something, I'll get to try it. But I think somebody who has spent the proper amount of time and effort working on Lucario will get to uh, have a very cool Lucario deck in day two for sure. Make a good deep run with it, I think. Well, that's great. You heard it here first. Great chat with you guys. This is really um, just uh, some some really good nuggets of information. Thank you guys all so much for joining us. We're gonna uh, you know wrap up the cast here, but uh, we'll go around the horn here. Pierce, Frank, and then Andre. If you have some plugs for yourself, your Twitters, any shout outs you want to make, go ahead, Pierce. Uh, if you want to follow my Twitter, where I post really bad opinions. <laughs> and content about football, it's Pierce Wilton too. Uh, and apart from that, just thank you for having me. It's been really nice to chat. Uh, awesome. Frank? Follow me on Twitter at Steak Frank. Steak like the piece of beef, Frank, on Twitter. <laughs> Excellent. Andre? I've been active on Twitter now for the past week and a half. My ad is at Andre Apocalypse. It was my gamer tag when I was like 16. Love it. And I've held on to it for for the entire time. Uh, I want to shout out uh, my fiance Emma, who's my biggest supporter and the squad. Uh, who now? No, I guess Cyrus is coming. Uh, he's part of the, or they're part of the squad. But uh, uh, Calvin, Chris, Christian, did I miss anyone else? I really hope not. You, I was going to say, you better not. <laughs> it, yeah, it's fine. I just know like half of them, their name starts with C. So that's all. <laughs> well, that's great. Thank you guys all so much, really. Pierce, Frank, Andre, thank you guys for joining me tonight. This was a great cast. And uh, I hope players that you know are either prepping for EYC are going to get some good insights or players that are going to be watching the stream are going to have a little bit more idea of what to expect. So that's going to do it for us today, guys. Thank you so much for listening to the Tag Team Podcast. If you wouldn't mind, if you've liked the cast and you're listening on one of your favorite podcasting platforms, please make sure to leave a rate and review. You can find myself on Twitter at RealJohnWalter. You can find the Tag Team Podcast on Twitter at Tag Team Pokemon. You can also find us on Twitch where we stream every single Wednesday at 9.30 p.m. Eastern Time over at twitch.tv slash munner. Thank you guys once again for joining us. We'll catch you on the next one. See ya!